0: NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. From the Frickers Studio. On Classic is 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Rotor Router. Bigby Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grip by MJ Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Poly Eyes. by Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply. Seneca Millwork. Five Star Maintenance. And by the Rumpy Corporation. And now, let's go to Lance and Matt coming to you live from the Bricker Studio for the NWO Orthopedics Sports Title.
1: Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers studios on ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night for this edition of the show. We have an absolutely jam-packed show for everyone out there. We'll, of course, get our Ohio State football fix. We'll talk with Kevin Harris, Ryder from Meetup Midfield, along with the Comeback And awful announcing the Buckeyes got the win last week against Maryland they'll take on Purdue this weekend. It's state golf tournament week. We'll catch up with Hopewell Loudon girls golf coach Joe Klein along with Van Buren girls golf coach Ron Nye. We'll talk Arcadia football. We'll talk with their head football coach Sean Adams. Arcadia a blowout win last week against Van Lu. Tough task for them this week though. They take on Liberty Benton. We'll talk with Faustoria head football coach Derek Kidwell able to get their second win of the season last week getting the win against Lake. They take on NBC newcomer Me on Friday. And we'll talk with Finley High School's Head football coach, Stefan Adams, Jordan's got back in the win column themselves getting the win last week against Perrysburg. They face another tough opponent this Friday when they take on Whitmer. We may not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials tonight and get their sirloin steak dinner and their chicken chunks will be their meal on Thursday. Kids eat free all day every day at Frickers. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in, get delivery through DoorDash. Those daily specials are all though dine in only. Download the Frickers app, find them online at frickers.com with that we'll go ahead step aside for a quick timeout when we come back we'll talk with kevin harris from meet at midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing you're on the nwo orthopedics sports auto from the fricker studios
2: at blanchard valley health system we're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals we require compassion dedication and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment jobs are available in clinical and support services We offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System, we're here for you.
3: Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense.
1: Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if Auto Owners makes sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 7.30. The Ohio State Buckeyes got the win against Maryland over the weekend. This Saturday, they take on Purdue. You can hear Buckeye football all season long on WFOB. We're now pleased to be joined by Kevin Harris, writer from Meetup Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. And Kevin, the Buckeyes got the win over Maryland offense Certainly uh certainly started a little slow before they were able to get themselves going. What were your big takeaways from last week's game?
4: Yeah, man. I I don't know. That was definitely one of those the final score does not match what the game was sort of games. I think that might have been one of the most um frustrating 20-point wins I think Ohio State fans will ever see um from from an Ohio State team. Um you know, I I think starting slow is a little bit of an understatement. Um, you know, it just everything kind of seemed to be working against Ohio State at, at the beginning of the game. Um, they really never did get the running game going. Uh, the passing game came alive, obviously, a little later in the game, and Kyle McCord ended up with some pretty good stats. But, I mean, that was certainly not what you wanted to see from pretty much any aspect of the game. Um Towards the beginning, at least, you know, giving up an early touchdown, looking completely disjointed on offense and then having a atrocious fake punt to to cap it all off. But uh, obviously, you know, uh, looking around the country and seeing other teams struggle and stuff like that, like it's, um, you know, always good for Ohio State to end up with a 20 point win in a game that they essentially did not play very well.
5: So. Kevin, I mean, I'm just going to kind of call it as it is. My, my panic meter is at about 15 and a half out of 10 right now with this Ohio State squad. So I, I, I'm i curious your thoughts as to why we shouldn't panic. Part, part of it for me as well, where I'm kind of like, okay, my panic meter is through the roof, but I feel kind of better about it. Correct me if I'm wrong, or if you feel otherwise, it really doesn't feel like really much of any of the teams in the top 10 right now are truly unbeatable or unfallible type of teams it kind of seems like this is one of those years where every top team either has those kinds of games where just they seem like they struggle or all of them seem just to call it as this kind of beatable in a way are are you getting that same vibe and is that why i shouldn't panic or are there other reasons why i shouldn't panic
4: yeah you know i think that's fair um i think unfortunately for ohio state probably I think the best team in the country is Michigan I think they have looked like the best team in the country especially the past few weeks they've just been dominant and frankly the final scores of those games which are very lopsided don't even represent how much they've dominated those games so um, that's kind of the bad news is like if if I had to pick one dominant team in college football it's like the one team that they have to go through at the end of the year and um, the team that they Uh, really want to get a win over after they've, you know, lost back to back years. So that's the bad news. But largely, you're right, is that like, there really isn't like last year, there was the dominant Georgia throughout the entire season. Um, There's no Georgia's or Alabama's or uh, everybody seems to be having kind of those stinker games. Um, Even Michigan, like, they had a not so great game against Bowling Green, and they've played a very easy schedule up to this point. So it's not like they've been super tested they've been very dominant in the games that they've played but yeah you're right like if if there's any reason to feel um the opposite of dread like a little bit of optimism for for ohio state it's that um you know that no team has really gone out and taken care of business every single week and looked unbeatable and dominant or anything like that so um there is time to improve i guess I'm just not sure how they're going to do it especially in the running game because man that was that was brutal on on uh, Saturday. They just could not the offensive line. I I we talked about it against Indiana. I don't know if I have ever seen a offensive line this bad at Ohio State. Um and it, you know, and the the pass the past blocking is fine. Like I I think that's that's the thing um that that most people kind of don't maybe don't realize or don't know how to evaluate, I guess. And like, that's nobody's fault. But um, if, if an offensive line isn't giving up sacks, like people think that a lot of times the offensive line is fine, but the the run game being off had nothing to do with Travion Henderson uh, not being in the game. No, absolutely nothing. And it had everything to do with not a single offensive lineman getting to the second level consistently and that left essentially two unblocked linebackers that could make a play almost every time they tried to run the ball so i'm not sure what they can do um schematically to fix that if your guys just aren't getting to the second level and like simply don't seem capable of run blocking i i don't like that's the concerning part is i don't know if there is a fix to that besides just like simply not running the ball which also really isn't a viable option so it is it is not a great situation that Ohio State's running into especially when they're going to have to go play um, Penn State and Michigan who are obviously far better run defenses than uh, they faced against Maryland this week
1: This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Comin' Talk with Kevin Harris, writer from Mina Midfield, along with the comeback and offline announcing. And that was one of the questions I was going to have was, you know, Travion Henderson being a late scratch and how much that impacted it. But sounds like, according to you, it's pretty much entirely because of what the offensive line both could and could not do. And kind of further adding on to the, I guess you can just call them what they are in issues, is Ryan Day earlier this week basically said that this is the line and that the backups aren't essentially doing enough to warrant any of the starters being replaced. So it kind of further exemplifies hey, this is what we got. Kind of either adapt and figure it out, or maybe things can get even in a worse direction.
4: Yeah, and you know, that's that's basically what I was saying after the um the Indiana game is like, this is what it is, you know, (laughs) like I promise you don't want to see the guys that are behind this because I really don't think it gets better. Um, You know, but it is at the point where it's like, well, could it get that much worse? Um, I guess the thing that you run into is that you, you might be trading pass blocking for run blocking. Um, And so like, I, I think probably and you know maybe even luke montgomery or something like they're probably better run blockers than what's been you know what what the guys currently playing are showing but if you think that that if if they are more bad at uh pass blocking than the current starting line is at run blocking then maybe that's just not a trade-off that you want to make i really don't know um i i genuinely understand the frustration with ohio state fans looking at this line and being like there's got to be somebody on the line behind them that can help and do something like there just has to be um and you know like i i'm almost to that point because like a guy like luke montgomery like you brought him in you obviously think highly enough of him to use him as a, a sixth lineman um you know, like it, it just, it, it seems like putting in a, a young guy like that, that is at least talented and has high upside. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I am as puzzled as everyone else is. Um, especially like, I, I don't know what it would take for them to decide to make wholesale changes on the offensive line. What, like what it, would losing a game do it? Um, cause there's like it it was just brutal on saturday like just absolutely brutal uh, in the run game I, again the pass game is fine and maybe that's why they're content to just like keep the offensive line the way that it is and just hope that it improves inside but man like you cannot run the ball the way that offensive line blocked on on saturday and i mean they didn't run the ball i think they ended up with like 3 yards per carry or something like that so i don't know it's definitely not great and I think they're going to have to change the way that they call the offense if they're going to have if they're going to go with this offensive line for the rest of the year. I mean, the thing is that it is possible to function with a bad offensive line. Um, I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals went to the Super Bowl with a atrocious offensive line, probably one of the worst offensive lines in in the NFL. Now their problem was pass blocking and not run blocking, but it's still a different story. You can scheme around a bad offensive line; they just weren't necessarily doing it um like you can have end arounds where they did they had a a couple like swing uh, attacking the edge with like xavier johnson you can do ends arounds um screen passes quick slants like those sort of things that function is runs to the outside without actually having to like rely on your offensive line to do anything i don't know it's it's there's definitely things you can do um but at the same time like i i feel like it was also the line was uncharacteristically bad on saturday Like it, it. It's been not great, but that was like almost each individual player decided to play their worst game of the season at the same time last week. So maybe they're just banking on that not happening again. I really don't know. But um, yeah, I think I'm not sure we're going to see wholesale changes unless maybe Ohio State loses a game or two. Like, I think that's what it would take for you to actually make wholesale changes on the offensive line this year.
5: And looking at the phrase wholesale changes, I, I feel this may be time to address the elephant in the room between a combination of very, very subject play calling a little bit of hemming and hawing back and forth between the quarterbacks at the start of this year issues, winning big time games outside that Notre Dame game. So far this season now just to call it as it is, abject stubbornness about what seems to be a suspect offensive line. Are we starting to hit the point where we need to have some serious questions about Ryan Day and his decision-making with this going forward? Because yeah, Purdue this this weekend, yeah, it's all fine and good, but you kind of hit the gauntlet of the schedule coming up after that. And it's it, it seems like some of the bad traits from Ryan Day are becoming more habit as opposed to just bad traits what what's your thoughts on that
4: yeah you know i i think the i i don't i think there's there's a mix here and nobody really wants to like ride the middle here there's always the people who are saying like ryan day needs to be fired immediately and um you know oh look at his all-time record he's like 50 and 6 or whatever his record is um, you know, he's, he's done great. He's made the college football playoff, whatever. Like, I think there's, it's fair to criticize what he's done and what he's accomplished or failed to accomplish when he's been head coach at Ohio state. Um, his record against top five opponents is atrocious considering how much talent that he has. Um, I, I just, you know, there's just, there's, there's a legitimate criticism of Ryan day without saying like, this guy needs to be fired on the spot. I think the strongest criticism of Ryan Day is that he just simply does not adapt um, fast enough. You know, I I think you can go back to having Kerry Combs on the staff for two years when it was very clear after, like, three games that he could not coordinate a defense. Um, You know, I, I think the... Essentially a stubbornness to keep Greg Stadrawa on staff when it was very clear that he wasn't recruiting at a high level for like three years. Um, you know, even I mean, this is a this is a different conversation, but even just like there's clearly a disconnect between Larry Johnson on the defensive line and uh Jim Knowles and how he wants to run his defensive scheme. And he's just kind of allowing that to exist. So it feels like Ryan Day doesn't really want to proactively address problems and he's just going to address problems when it becomes a severe problem. And that's just not really how you can function at Ohio State. And I think like that is the strongest criticism cri- criticism of Ryan Day that I would have. and I think that compounds into all of the other things. Um, so I, I I think it's it's a lot of compounding issues. I think it's fair to criticize criticize him for that without necessarily saying like he needs to be fired on the spot or anything like that. But like this, this is on him, you know, it is the offensive line is on him for not addressing a bad recruiter and player developer uh, on the offensive line for, you know, far too long. You know, he did to his credit, fire Greg's to draw and replace him with Justin Fry. But that was way too late. (laughs) You know, you you can see what the offensive line is spitting out right now. Um, and even even just, like, in terms of giving the offense away to somebody or allowing other input in the offense, like, I watched a lot of Justin Fry at UCLA. Uh, I think he's a great coach. He ran their offense along with Chip Kelly there for a while. Um, and, like, you can see his influence in the Chip Kelly offense. You don't really see his influence at Ohio State. Like, you don't see the way that he uses tight ends in the running game or in the passing game and stuff like you don't really necessarily see his fingerprint on what Ohio State is doing and so that makes it even hard to criticize Justin Fry the offensive line coach for what's going on because it's like I I don't even know how much you know autonomy he has to make decisions and stuff like that so it's it's at the end of the day it really does yeah it comes back to the head coach when all of these problems are compounding at once. And it's tough to say that when this guy has won, you know, 93% of his games or whatever it is, and um, is always has Ohio state as a playoff contender. Um, But on some level, like until you win against the teams that you're supposed to be winning and competing against, like you haven't really earned the benefit of the doubt. And so I don't know, like, if if he comes out and beats Penn State and beats Michigan and, you know, has a strong showing in the playoff or whatever, like, yeah, then that that's great. And I think he's, you know, earned that off of his back. But I think the reality of the situation is that right now there's not a lot of optimism based on that performance against Maryland that's like, is this a team that can compete with Michigan? It didn't really look like it against Maryland. So, I don't know. It's It's – you don't want to, like – it's you can't really prematurely criticize him because he could very much go out and just like beat Penn State, beat Michigan, whatever. But at the same time, like Ohio State plays like two losable games a year, and all of the other games are just practice and speculation for those other two losable games. And so, um, the reality is that we're kind of in that waiting period right now. And so, I'm not, I don't really care how Ohio State performed against Maryland, it was a given that they were going to beat Maryland. I care about that performance relative to how it looks against Penn State or Michigan but I guess to that conversation too like Penn State also hasn't looked unbeatable this season either there's clear flaws that with that program that we can get to later but yeah I mean all of these things as you alluded to there are patterns and it does start at the top.
1: Talk with Kevin Harris, riding from Midnight Midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Tunnel from the Fricker Studios, ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Let's ignore the, the game this weekend for all intents and purposes. They're going to beat up on Purdue. We don't really need to go into that. Let's stick right here with the talk about Ryan Day. For me, as a fan, I basically remember three coaches— Jim Trestle, Urban Meyer, and now Ryan Day. Yes, Luke Vickle was in the middle. You didn't really have a chance. But one of those things is not like the other, just in terms of if you just want to talk titles, you can just talk titles because Trestle and Urban each did win a title. Ryan Day hasn't done that yet. Not to say he can't, but you can look at Trestle and you can look at Urban. They had their flaws. We are very well aware of their flaws. And Ryan Day has his flaws, as we've just been outlining, but... You can also say, look at how awesome the offense has been, by and large, throughout since Ryan Day took over even as OC leading into him being head coach. So the question after my preamble, Kevin, is where does the leash get shorter? Is it if you lose to Penn State and Michigan this year? Is it something to kind of monitor as you get the USC and Oregon's and all them into the Big Ten as well? Kind of where does that leash go from he has a very long leash to, ooh, it's starting to get a little shorter?
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, that is tough. I think that the reality is he, he's he got two years at least, you know, before you even start those conversations. And I think it just comes down to what... um Kind of, kind of what the the Ohio State organizational makeup is going to be because Gene Smith is going to retire uh, in 2024, the athletic director, and then Ohio State just has a new president. And so what's going to happen is that Ohio State is going to need to have a new athletic director, and the new athletic director probably isn't going to go ahead and the first first thing he does is fire the head coach or whatever. So Ryan Day probably has, unless he absolutely bombs it, two years, two, three years before you even start to have those conversations. So I think he has a longer leash than even his critics would like to believe that he does. But like you mentioned putting him in the conversation as Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer, like I think really what it just comes down to is that Ryan Day wins the games that he's supposed to win, but doesn't necessarily win the games that fans expect him to win, if that makes sense. Like he he is, you know, dominant against the um the the for all intents and purposes the bad teams. Um he's dominant against like Purdue, Maryland, Rutgers, like those teams, he he doesn't lose to those teams. And you even saw like Trussell and Urban Meyer, they did, you know, slip up in a few games to those teams. Brian Day has not yet. So like credit where credit's due. Like it is tough to win that many games in college football and he doesn't do it. Um on the same token, like Ohio State is one in five against top five teams in the AP poll, um, with three blowout losses in those games. And like that's not what Ohio State's standard is. And so there's a very realistic like, Ur- Urban Meyer became known for winning big games. You know, like that's that's kind of what like his his whole thing was. I don't remember the rec or the the um streak, but I think he was like at 1.7 and 0 or 8 and 0 is an underdog when he was at Ohio State um and like obviously a lot of those were top 5 matchups and stuff too. So I think it's just it's just getting over the top. Ryan Day has done all of the other things correct in terms of acquiring talent and um you know turning this into an offensive powerhouse. Um now I I really think he's done a great job with uh you know hiring for the defense. I I believe that the defensive staff is um, largely great. Like I love Jim Knowles. I think he's a great coordinator. Um, I love the secondaries coaches. Jim Knowles is, you know, kind of the linebackers coach too. So like, I, I, I think that he is organizationally structuring things correctly. It's just at some point that has to lead to something. He has to win something and he hasn't really won anything in five years. And so, um, it, it is completely fair for Ohio state fans to start to get restless because like is like, anybody who defends him and stuff like that, like, he has a, I don't know, like he he has an, a very impressive resume, but are you going to be happy with five more years of what Ryan has done? And if the answer is no, then like, why are you happy with the first five years, you know? Um, so I, I think like, there is a very valid criticism. That's not to say that he can't win something, or he hasn't set up the program to be successful in the future. But, you know, I, I think, this season was always going to be kind of a struggle. Um, When you look at the offensive line, you look at a transition to a quarterback situation, um, especially going from, you know, I think one of the best pure passers in college football history with CJ Stroud, and he's now dominating the NFL. This was always going to be kind of a struggle of the season as much as, as close as Ohio state gets to like a quote unquote rebuilding year, um, which still means that they should compete for a national title. Like that's Ohio state standard to be clear. But I think he would have earned himself a much shorter leash or a much longer leash and much less criticism if he had, you know, done something with the other dominant teams that he had the past four years. So I think that's kind of the position where we're in right now. Like it makes sense that Ohio state is where it is right now. And maybe fans would be much more willing to accept like the possibility of losing to Penn state and Michigan had he, you know, managed to get the team over the top in 2020, 2021, or 2022 with some of those dominant teams that he had and it just didn't happen. And so um, it, it obviously leads to frustration when there's another year um, with pretty valid excuses where you're still maybe not the most dominant team in college football.
5: And now I will say, I, I definitely agree with that mindset. The, the thought process I've had with Ryan day and uh, I mean, Lance, you're definitely more basketball-minded than I am, so feel free to correct me on this one if you feel otherwise. I, I kind of think back to those LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, like Miami Heat years with Eric Spolstra, where it's, it, yeah, you you have three of the best players in the world. You should win 60-plus games a year kind of thing. Yep. But then, yeah. you're lo- then you're losing those big games. And I mean, to, to Spolster's credit, he's kept his job and he's actually developed as a coach as it's gone on. But by the same token, Miami didn't really come back until they got like, guys like Jimmy Butler and Kyle Low- it's, I I guess my question would be at this stage, is it fair to say that what we're seeing with Ryan Day is that he may just be, in fact, a good babysitter kind of thing as opposed to actually being able to be the kind of coach that can finish things out. Cause let's just call it as is in his time there. He's been hand, hand fed gift wrapped Justin Fields, CJ Stroud. I mean, Kyle McCord. Yeah. Not so far. It seems like the jury might still be out on him a little bit as well as Devin Brown. You've also had Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. You just have a laundry list of not just very good talent, but like the premier talent in the country. So is, is it, is it fair to say for fans? Yes. He says perfectly acceptable to be kind of restless or getting anxious about it. Is it fair to say, Hey, give them a chance because look how it works out with other people or is it like, no, you've had a Ferrari and you're driving it. Like it's a Chevy Malibu. That's what <laughs> we, 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 kind of, we kind of need to start addressing the fact that we think you don't know how to drive the car that you actually have
4: kind of situation. It is, it is a very fair criticism. Like it, it is very fair. I, you know, like I, you have to give Ryan day credit. I, I, I genuinely think Ryan day is a great offensive coach. I think he is a brilliant offensive mind. I loved the way that he ran Ohio state's offense when he was Ohio state's offensive coordinator. Um, you know, I, I, I think that he, when he is at his best as a play caller, he's one of the best play callers in the country. You saw the game that he called against Clemson in 2020, the game that he called against Georgia last year, like his offenses, like when they're humming, like they are humming. Um, I, I think that he struggles is a managerial, you know, CEO minded head of a program. And there's no way, like, it's just tough to predict. Like it, he, he did not have head coaching experience before he took over the, you know, most prominent, are, you know, probably the best job in college football. He just kind of got handed to him without having any experience pre- previous. And that's tough to do, you know? Like, I I'm, I am don't even like, it's not even like me thinking that he's a bad coach. Like he just got into a very difficult situation where he has a ton of criticism and stuff too, where he's kind of trying to learn on the job as well. Like, I don't know, it it is, it is very difficult. I think that if he was just a pure play caller We would see him as one of the most brilliant minds in in college football but him having to hire and recruit and manage a roster manage a game um, develop players develop coaches worry about personnel decisions um, things like that like things that it takes coaches years to get a feel for he just kind of got thrust into that and had to figure it out on the fly and it's it's not exactly shocking that it didn't really work out for him right off the bat or whatever. Um, You know, he made a, frankly, a a terrible hire in hiring Kerry Combs to run the defense. And that frankly probably cost him a chance at two national titles. And so I, I don't think the problem is necessarily like, I think it's a, a little too. I, it, the criticism is fair. But like I understand it, I guess. Like I, I understand why the struggles have happened and it's still possible that he could improve. Like, um it it, it is like it's like giving a sixteen-year-old a, a Ferrari, as you kind of alluded to. Like give a sixteen-year-old a Ferrari for his uh for his first car, and you can't really be mad when he comes back up with like a ding on it or something like that. Like you gave a 16-year-old a Ferrari, but um I guess the benefit of that is like five years later the 16-year-old's 21, five years after that, like the 16-year-old's 25, and presumably has a lot more experience driving the Ferrari and cars in general. So I, I think that like he has clearly learned from some mistakes, but um, I don't know, this, this just isn't, Ohio State just isn't the program where you should really be learning on the job. And I think that's kind of the frustration that fans have is not necessarily that Ryan Day can't be a great coach or isn't turning into a great coach, but it's just like, it feels like wasted opportunities the past four years when Ohio state has had great teams, but has been hampered by, you know, one or two managerial coaching decisions that, um, hamstrung strung the team for an entire season. Like, I don't know, they uh, several things are just very head scratching. Like another one is that he employs Parker Fleming to run a special teams that has underperformed for two years, uh, really has been frankly very bad at special teams the past two years but ohio state's one of the only coaches in the country or only programs in the country that employs a full-time special teams coordinator just like things like that like what what are we doing with the the four or with the 10th assistant head coaching position if you employ him to run special teams and the special teams isn't like performing well the next or the past two seasons there's just like a few head scratching managerial decisions that like it seems like it's just a young head coach, but ideally he can still learn from those because like I said, he is a brilliant offensive mind and obviously a great quarterback developer and quarterback recruiter. Cause you mentioned CJ Stroud, you know, Dwayne Haskins before that, Justin Fields before that, like he's the reason why they came to Ohio state and he's the guy who developed them and kind of turned them into the prospects that they were. So You have to give him credit for that. You have to give him credit for building the offense the way that he did. But like that doesn't take away from some of the head scratching managerial decisions that he makes.
1: Talk with Kevin Harris, Rider for me and i midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers studios. Looking back at last week in college football, Georgia finally looked like they could be the best team in the country. Uh, Louisville knocks off Notre Dame. Oklahoma beats Texas. USC needed three overtimes to beat Arizona. Alabama beating AM. Miami just, no I don't even know the words to talk about how they lost that game to Georgia Tech as your laugh alludes to what were your uh kind of big takeaways from uh from what we saw last weekend
4: yeah man I think like it is it is certainly one of those things like we just spent the entire time talking about how um you know Ryan Day and his maybe inheriting a program that he didn't necessarily deserve or coaching decisions or whatever but like man just like <laughs> we did a podcast over on meet at midfield and it was like, you know, Ohio state fans have to be feeling real good that at the very least, at least their team is not, or their head coach is not Lincoln Riley or, um, man, there were so many head scratching coaching decisions, here, head scratching coaching decisions this week. Um, I think Brian Kelly fumbled a bag too. Oh no, they they ended up coming back and winning. Um, Jimbo Fisher had a, a horrible coaching performance. Um, Yeah. Just all in all, like there were several, Oh, it it was Texas. Steve Sarkeesian had a blunder of that game too. All in all, like for Ohio state to be where they are sitting back and watching um, Texas implode the way that they did Miami have a colossal, colossal blunder in game management at the end of that game. And then um, USC almost lose to Arizona all in all, like, Ohio state is, is in a good position relative to how all those games shook out, but like credit, I guess, credit to Oklahoma though. Um, I think that games that if that game's played 10 times, I think Texas wins at eight, but Oklahoma's defense looks legit. Um, they made the plays they needed to make. Um, and I, that is now a legitimate playoff contender after that win against uh, Texas on Saturday.
5: Uh, so two parter here about last week in college football, Kevin, on uh, number one, all the head scratching coaching decisions and moments that occurred. Doesn't that just make you appreciate the glory that is coastal Carolina all the more winning their game against Appalachian state in such thrilling fashion. And number two, I I'd, I'd feel like I'm not doing my job. If I did not ask you as a fan of college football, how did Mario Cristobal get allowed back in the <laughs> locker room after that for my aunt? Like uh, how
4: how the, the funniest <laughs> part is i don't think this is the first time he did that i think it's it. Not, he did um, something, he did something like sport. that at oregon too
1: yeah
4: yeah he, he, he did it at oregon too and so like you'd think that he would learn from that but i guess not another funny thing is that it's there have b- recently been photos in separate angles of the um the like fumble basically revealing that like it wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't a fumble like they, they should have they should have had the ball still but like that actually just makes it more hilarious because like you can't say like oh we actually like what what are you doing here like you're you're gonna like say that we deserve to win after that just atrocious game management like it shouldn't have even been close it, the guy's knee should have been on the ground in the backfield you know <laughs> like I don't know it's it, it just makes it funnier that they blew the game like that because like even still like it took a miracle for, for um, Georgia tech to still win that game, even with the fumble. So, Oh man, like it, that was, that was just horrific. Like,
5: I mean, I'm just, I, I guess in our quick one for that, just again, cause we mentioned Chris ball pride. We, we all think it could be a Mandela effect, but we all think he did that in Oregon as well. But ha- have, have you ever seen a coach like their brain literally hit the reset button at the most pivotal point of a game like that in, in recent me- I, I genuinely can't
4: it's yeah, two weeks ago when Marcus Freeman had a lot, 10 guys on the field for back-to-back plays in the most pivotal part of the game. Like I, I don't, I don't understand. Like it happens. It, it it's mind blowing. And I think like, like that's like credit to Ryan day. He is not like, I say he was not prepared to be a head coach or like was not groomed to be a head coach, but credit to him. He has not made a like straight up boneheaded knock on wood mistake like that that has cost him a game um but man like this has just been a a bad year for coaches just making horrific mistakes that cost their team the game like i i think it's just one of those things where um even even like arizona versus usc i I doubt that many people stayed up to watch that game at like two in the morning but um arizona's coach didn't even know the rules for uh overtime like he was sending his kicking unit out in the second overtime um, when you're supposed to go for two like like how, how are you a college football coach and you don't know the overtime rules? and I think just like growing up and like there's there's a like group of fans that think that it's stupid to criticize head coaches because they surely know more than you do it's like yeah man but maybe not you know like like maybe not and this sounds insane but like I think coaches need to just play like more video games like play more Madden because like as insane as it sounds, there's not a single like Madden player that wouldn't know that you can milk out a clock with, you know, 40 seconds left. Like it's just simulating late game situations that coaches, frankly, like struggle with sometimes.
1: That's what we got since we're running out of time. Of course, this weekend you got Oregon, Washington, top 10 game also got USC, Notre Dame and Miami, North Carolina. What are you looking forward to seeing?
4: Oh yeah. It's, it is a great week. Um, I think, obviously, USC-Notre Dame is a a big one. I think Notre Dame is going to win that game. USC just has not looked impressive. Um, Miami-North Carolina is fun, too. Uh, pro- but, again, the game of the week is Oregon versus Washington. Um, I think those are the two premier teams in the Pac-12. Um, and, really, the winner of that game probably is the leader in terms of maybe a Pac-12 team slipping into the college football playoff. I think it's kind of a... Um, concerning situation that the Pac-12 has with how difficult some of these schedules are. But if a Pac-12 team is going to make the playoff, it's going to be Oregon or Washington. And So um, I think this is kind of one of those like eliminator games for the Pac-12 here.
1: This has been Meet at Midfield, rider along with the comeback and off announcing Kevin Harris. Kevin, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. We'll catch up next week.
4: Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, guys.
1: With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Joe Klein, Hobo and girls golf coach here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios.
6: Due to substantial growth at Morgan Advanced Materials, we're hiring and want you to join our team. If you're looking for a competitive starting wage, Morgan Advanced Materials has production operator positions starting at $19.76 an hour, with a potential of up to $23.91 an hour. Join our team at Morgan Advanced Materials located in Faustoria. Call us at 419-360-9751 or head to MorganAdvancedMaterials.com to launch a career that strives to make this world a better
1: place. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have a starting pay of $18.04 an hour with a raise to $18.31 after 90 days with a shift differential of $0.25 an hour for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria, Seneca Millwork, part of the Ropi Holding Company family. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 7.30. This weekend, the Hopewell Loudon Girls Golf Team will be competing in the state golf tournament for the second consecutive season, and we are now pleased to be joined by Hopewell Loudon Head Girls Golf Coach Joe Klein here in the Frickers Studios with us tonight. Coach, how are you doing?
7: I'm doing great. Another great season. I'm looking forward to
1: this Thursday, Friday, Saturday down in Columbus. So for you, what is kind of your overall golf background? How far do you go back with the sport and, you know, all the, all that good stuff?
7: So I uh, grew up on the golf course playing. Um, was more of a baseball kid growing up, but played golf in the fall sports season there. And um, just kind of been around it my whole life. So just naturally my kids kind of gravitated towards it. Um, some of their friends started to be interested in it. And so, you know, I've played some competitive golf in my past and kind of been able to take that and apply that to um, to our team and, and had some success.
1: And so second season advancing to states, what, what kind of is the key? What are kind of the big things you can attribute to being able to now go to Columbus now your second straight year?
7: So a lot of it, you know, as coaches, you always want your kids to work and put in the work and the time, right? And, and golf is one of those sports where – the opportunities aren't always there, but we do have a great organization in Finley, the Finley Area Golf Association. Um, most of our kids do participate in that. I push our kids every spring. We have a meeting to try and get kids to, to go and sign up for that, uh, play their tournaments. They do a couple tournaments a week for them through the summer. Um, and it's just reps, right? So those kids, and you'll see like some of the area schools, you know, Van Buren, Hope Allowed in um, Arcadia, you know, these kids, even girls and boys teams that have success, most of those kids are playing in those Finley tournaments through the summer. Right. So a lot of these kids know each other uh, makes for fun when we get to go do, you know, extracurricular, you know, postseason stuff like this and see the success of all these kids. And, and even onto the next level of college, several kids go to play college golf.
1: Talk with Hopeful loud and ahead of girls golf coach, Joe Klein here on the NWO orthopedics sports huddle. So for the off season, how, how different is the golf off season compared to, you know, the regular sports? Cause I mean, Obviously, there's, you know, the winter where unless you have, you know, the indoor golf facilities or if you're making some of these big trips, you don't have the access to play during the winter. So kind of what is the off season like in terms of how much you actually get to play versus, you know, conditioning workouts, all things of that nature?
7: So the good thing, you know, with golf now is is you'll see a lot of indoor simulators coming around now. Right. So kids do have more access to it than we used to. Um, We're fortunate to have some facilities here locally that we can use and the kids can continue to play. But, you know, you also as a coach, you want kids to go and and be, you know, multi-sport athletes, right? So they need a little bit of a break. You know, that winter time is sometimes, you know, give them some of that downtime, kind of pick it up maybe February, March. Um, But you do have kids that go year-round. You know, my kids, we have a coach down in Mansfield that we work with, and um, we'll go down there, you know, once a month maybe, just to keep us going through the winter, just to work on some stuff. And that's when you got to make your big changes because golf is – golf's unique. You know, We start practice you know, August 1st typically, and our first matches can be August 4th, August 5th, and that first week, right? So you show up, you go qualify. There's no real coaching at that point because the season is so front-loaded that we go right into it. We're right into matches. We're right into 18-hole events, and you really have to have been playing all summer – and making sure that you have, you know, preparation to come in, you know, the kids that, that do that, you know, they come in there a step ahead and we can kind of pick up and where they've left off and just move on. So um, that's kind of the difference that I see. But again, you know, there, there is a lot available now with um, the indoor simulators and stuff for kids to do through the winter and, and work more so than there used to be, you know, 10 years ago.
1: And then once you get into the season itself, do you get to go on the course every day, or are you, is there like, oh, we're going to only chip today, we're going to only putt today? Kind of how does how does the usual regular season practice, what does that entail?
7: So we focus a lot on short game, um, right? That's where the scoring happens. You know, the most of our practices, I try to keep it to an hour and a half, two hours for the kids, and a lot of that is setting up drills, right, and keeping them entertained because it, it can get tedious just putting – ball after ball after ball but that's what it takes to become great so you know I try to change up drills our kids kind of know the routine when we show up we're usually an hour and a half to two hours and mainly chipping and putting we play enough matches that we're on the course and we learn that experience out on the course from playing from a golf standpoint Um, but when it slows down we do you know go out you know we our home course is Loudon Meadows they're great to us Um, just really accepting of us with the range and the chipping green and and being able to use the course and fit us in when we when we can get out there
1: and of course uh, someone you know I assume fairly well Marissa Klein has been uh, really your leader kind of all season long what can you say about her what she's like to coach and just how she how important she is to the to the rest of the girls as a whole
7: yeah you know so yeah coaching your daughter is unique Um, I'm fortunate now I have two daughters on the team this year. My freshman is also on there, Aubrey. Um, but, you know, Marissa's been great. She's been a leader. She, she kind of goes out, takes care of business, um, puts in the work. But, you know, I also have Jenna Brown, who is another senior. Both of them have played golf since probably they were seven or eight years old, a lot of golf together. And, you know, they've continued to work and push each other. And it's been fun to watch both of them develop and really having those two key seniors has really been the key to our success this year. You know, last year I lost two seniors. After last year's team that that graduated out, um, had two freshmen come in and immediately step in. Um, both of them, both of them played in the summer there at Faga. and you know, but having those two senior leaders, you know, it's fun to watch them take the kids to the side when they're out on the course, and you know, I can't be it everywhere during practice. And you'll see them showing them a shot or showing them how to you know recover out of the trees or. Just seeing that leadership has been awesome, um, and they they both do a great job of that. You know, um, from the standpoint of, you know, the league stuff, Marissa and Jenna both first team, you know, all SBC, and just being able to be that leader has been awesome.
1: So basically, it sounds like you have a couple extra coaches on the, out there when you aren't able to be everywhere all at once.
7: Yes, yes, and it comes in handy and is very, uh, it, you know, it shows our freshmen have really stepped up this year and. You know, and provided for us because we, we have to use four scores. So one of those two freshmen has had to put up a score every time, and it's worked out that they've done that.
1: Talk so with Hopewell Loudon, head girls golf coach Joe Klein here on the NWO Orthopedics. Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. You mentioned Loudon Meadows as your home course. Where? How does that course compare to the myriad really of courses around the area and the different ones that you're going to play, you know, throughout the, throughout the whole season.
7: Uh, We're fortunate because, you know, Loudon gives you a good mix of both. In my opinion, the front nine is, you know, kind of long and straight and lets kids, you know, hit the driver and and really hit long tee balls and and play that type of game. And then you go to the back nine there and it's really target golf. So from a practice standpoint and, you know, making your team well-rounded to be able to go to different courses and adapt quickly um, it's really it's really a nice course for us, you know, and and having the practice facility that they do. A lot of courses in the area don't have the type of practice facility with the driving range, so having that access, um, being able to work on you know short game, chipping, putting, sand shots, it you know, really is a, a big um, big help to us.
1: So then, for you as well, how different is it coaching, just in general, on the golf course because you have everyone is an individual and you want every individual to do your best and it you know becomes a team sport in the we are all trying to win and help the team win but how different is it or is it not different at all for you compared to some of the other team sports uh
7: i guess i always look at it as a team right i want i want our whole team to do great and it's fun to go down to columbus as a team um golf's a unique sport and cool that the fact that you can qualify as an individual, you know, we have a couple of good area individuals here coming down from uh, Calvert and Fremont St. Joe as well. So kind of unique. But my focus typically is on, you know, who can I benefit? How can I benefit our team, right? Who needs me? And and sometimes, you know, me being around them puts a little extra pressure on them. And sometimes overcoaching becomes a problem that I, I tend to try and be aware of. And, you know, sometimes you just have to let them let them go and swing it out and work it out, right? And um, me in their ear telling them to do stuff isn't always the best scenario. Uh, I can tell you that. I've learned that over the, the five years I've been doing this. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm always kind of looking at the team, team aspect and from an individual standpoint who needs my help on the course, maybe helping look at a shot or something like that.
1: And then was there – obviously you guys made it to states last year as well – but throughout this year, was there a special moment or a certain match where you're like, okay, I don't know if we're for sure gonna get to Columbus, but after seeing what I saw today, I certainly like our chances.
7: Yeah, and coming off last year, I knew I had you know Rissy and Jenna were juniors coming in their senior year, right? So I knew I had two really good players to to build off of, and those two scores in, in high school golf is huge for for you. Um, so I knew those freshmen trying to, to work with them, seeing what I had coming in. I knew I had two juniors coming back. Well, two sophomores that would, were juniors this year that I had spent you know a couple years again really focusing on them. But you know early in the season, we play some good events. We play uh, up at um, Huron. We play the Edison event and they have a lot of D1 schools. And last year, you know we finished, I don't remember the exact number, fifth or sixth, but up towards the top, and, and I think the top D2 school that was there because they have a lot of D1 schools at that event. And, again, this year we, you know, we were in that event, and we finished very similar. You know, we, us and Edison, who also made it to state out of our league, um, we were right there within a couple strokes of each other in the top two D2 schools in that event. So when you see that and you know where you, you fall, it kind of gives you some confidence, right? So I, I knew that there was a chance, but with golf – you get one chance you know that that day you get one chance you don't know how the ball's gonna balls are gonna bounce you know it could hit a tree it could you could hit a great shot it could hit a sprinkler head you know you you just don't know um and these kids you know try and that's what we focus on a lot right is is you're gonna have bad shots you don't have to be great every swing and just kind of take it as the ball bounces and go to the next shot and that's really what we do i lay out a i try to take and put a yardage book together for each course give the kids some instructions so that they know what the targets are and then just go out and execute it and to the best of their ability and once that's done you go in and wait for the scores to add up and uh and hopefully like this year again you know we've made it out and get to go down to Columbus and it's really an awesome experience down there they do a great job at Ohio State University hosting us and uh, really feels you know like a more like a little tour event where you know you have your assigned range times and and tee times and announcing you as your starters coming off and off the first tees, um, so just really cool for the kids to get to experience that.
1: As you alluded to, you'll be playing in Columbus in the state tournament uh, this coming week. How much will that help that you were there last year? Is it the same exact course or is it a different different course this time?
7: Nope, same course. So um, the D two girls is on the gray course. Uh, the boys do switch D2, D3. They flip-flop between North Star and the Scarlet course. But for us, you know, it's the same course, right? So, yes, we learned a lot last year. That course is it's a nice. It's a fair setup. Um, greens are a little faster than what we're used to, so we'll try to adjust to that. And, you know, just really knowing the course layout, knowing what clubs to hit this year a little bit better, and, and the more you get on a course, the more familiar you get, you know, you, you learn those lines and the course set up for your game. So, you know, the, my three, two seniors and a junior, you know, they're going to have a little familiarity with it. Um, the freshmen, though, you know, those will be who I'm spending my time with, trying to focus them a little bit on, you know, what targets to pick. And, and we get a practice round Thursday. Uh, we don't – I won't have them play per se, but we will definitely spend a lot of time around the greens, you know, looking at the greens, chipping, putting – trying to get some familiarity with that those speeds um, and just tune that in a little bit and be ready for Friday.
1: And another thing I'm curious about, and it's kind of evolved over the last few years, the scoring and you have the ability, don't you have the ability to like basically see every score as it happens? And if that's the case, how do you, I guess, balance wanting to look at it all the time and being like, okay, maybe looking at it isn't going to truly help. I'm going to put this away and maybe check it back in, you know, nine holes or whatever your line of demarcation is. What is it like kind of playing that balance?
7: Yeah, so the state has went to an app, um, the OHSAA app. We actually have a golf app. Uh, It's through the site Maker, And it's been – so from a coaching standpoint, it's very – you know, we we coaches really like it because, I'll be honest, I I keep it up and I kind of watch – the updates from the kids and it kind of helps you know what kid you need to go find. Right. You need to know if they had a, had one bad hole, maybe you need to go settle them down a little bit. Um, but from the kids standpoint, some of the kids like it, some of the kids don't like it because now, you know, right. The kids, and, I, and I've always preached, you know, don't, don't pay attention. It's one hole at a time. Play your best hold the hold of your best ability each time. Don't worry about the last hole. Well, this app lets them see, just how many over par they are the entire right. time, and and they have to log a score at the end of every hole, and so some kids that kind of now being our second year, kids are more used to that now and more accustomed to it, so it's not as bad as it, as it originally was. But you could see at first when we went to this app last year, there was some it, it affected some players, and so now you know the kids are a little bit better. But you know from a coaching standpoint, you know we all really like it because of that because now with five kids, it's hard to get back and forth. And, and know what kid to spend time with. And so now it's like, okay, uh Oh, I know this person. I need to go back there and just make sure that their mental state is good. And after that hole and, and, and get them refocused.
1: And then last one, who all, who are your girls that are going to be competing and uh, when, and where are you going to be uh, teeing off the later, uh, later on this week?
7: So our, so Marissa Klein, Jenna Brown, Reagan Miller, Megan Bose and Aubrey Klein will be who's competing. Uh, we go off on hole 10 at 9:50 is our first person off i believe that will be aubrey and uh, we go you go in reverse order from number 5 to number 1 ranked how they uh how you set them up in your lineup um so that that's that's our schedule uh, thursday at 1 is our practice round so we'll spend probably 5 hours out on the course that day trying to get familiar with it and unfortunately the weather isn't looking real great for us this weekend and right. and We've actually had, you know, a, a great fall season of weather, you know, not much rain, um, really nice temps. And this is going to be our first exposure to cold weather golf, and, and it will affect scores. Um, just trying to, you know, do some practice this week with some layers on and, and adjust to that. But, yep, Friday we go off, and then Saturday tee times are based off of our finish Friday. They reseed you, and uh, you go off your uh, where you stand in the, as a team.
1: This has been Hopewell Loud and Head Girls Golf Coach Joe Klein. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck at the state tournament this weekend.
7: Thank you. Appreciate the time.
1: With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Van Buren, Head Girls Golf Coach Ron Nye here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto. from.
3: It's University. cash for cars at Warner Economy Corner in Findlay. Not much has changed with the shortage of good quality used cars, but Warner Economy Corner is looking to buy. At the corner of Blanchard and Blanchard, Warner Economy Corner is paying cash for cars bring your vehicle down to the guys at Warner Economy Corner and go home with cash in hand. Warner Economy Corner is buying cars and making deals. Open daily Monday through Friday.
8: The Northwestern Water and Sewer District now has two watersheds in Fostoria to get pure water at a low price. Watersheds are located off of Plaza Drive on the north end of town, and our newest location near 4th and Finley Streets. If you don't like the taste of well water, try Watershed Water. Just bring your own containers and fill up for a quarter a gallon. Try Watershed Water today. For all locations, go to nwwsd.org.
1: Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB Lance Morris Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night this weekend the Van Buren girls golf team will be competing in the state golf tournament for the fourth straight year we are now pleased to be joined here in the Frickers studios by Van Buren head girls golf coach Ron I. coach how you doing good good doing great Thank you again for taking the time to talk with us. It's, it's now becoming a little bit of a tradition. Yes, it, it is. And it's a sweet tradition, I might say. So let's talk about that fourth straight year that you will be qualified and already have qualified for the state tournament. So what's kind of, I guess, the secret to four straight years making so that the girls that are seniors, they've now advanced the states every year of their high school career. So kind of what's the secret sauce that uh, goes into making that happen?
9: Well, I think the girls just uh, love the game, and they are so hard at working at their games. You know, they work individually throughout the summer. You know, they hold each other accountable. You know, they talk about the next year, even this year, what, what they're going to have and how hard they've got to work. And it's just an inner drive that they, they all have, and it's, uh, it's not hard to coach a team like that.
1: And I remember we talked last year about how you kind of were relieved to get the district title. Because it was the first one, right? Well, then you followed it up and did it again.
9: Yes, we did. It was, it was, it was a really great accomplishment, and I'm really proud of these girls to do this
1: for two years in a row. And also, also along with that, I remember I don't remember how many strokes, but it was a lot of strokes last year. This year, it was not quite as decisive of a win. Obviously, still getting the district title. So, was it that much more nerve wracking because? I'm guessing last year you kind of knew once the round was done that you had done it, whereas this year might not have known as early on as you did last year.
9: Yes. I mean, we we were humble going into it, but I felt I had a good feeling about it. I think the girls were more stressed out and worried about it than I was. But um, uh, Colonel Crawford came in behind us with – eight strokes behind us. And, uh, we had played them earlier in the season in an invite and they actually beat us. So it was kind of our redemption round to, uh, kind of
1: take a second chance at them. So speaking on that, what are the practices like for you, you know, in the off season? And then once you get into the regular season, it's just now seemingly starting to get actually cold out. So I imagine that was, uh, certainly a help for you throughout the year.
9: Yeah, I mean, playing in a fall season that really mimicked summer was pretty amazing and and very comfortable. You know, the girls, they tend to like to wear sleeveless uh, shirts, and we ordered a couple of those, and we got our use out of those this, <laughs> this fall for certain. Um, so now we got to layer up and uh, try to just go at this game, you know, the best we can. And um, the secret, I think, is just, yeah, they do a lot of summer play. You know, a lot of them play in Faga, which makes them commit to get out there every every week and play with, with each other and with opponents, um, and they just hold each other accountable for that, yes.
1: Talking with Van Buren Head Girls Golf Coach Ron and I here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Jocelyn Hunt's been kind of one of your leaders throughout this season. W- what can you say about what she's like to coach and really just the girls as a whole? Okay um
9: jocelyn is awesome to coach i mean i'll tell you what uh she like i said she just has such an inner drive um you know she's just a machine out there i mean you you know you can watch her and you know she just calculates so well where she wants to put that ball and if she gets into a, a spot she's not happy about she just tries to get it back uh you know in in great play and um yeah, she, she just does a great job. I would say as a player, she has really, really matured well. As a player over the four years, it's been really fun to see her. Um, you know, at first, the first couple of years, there were lots of tears when, you know, she didn't hit a great score or hit some bad shots. But, I mean, she's really got great composure now, I feel, and, you know, is a leader on the team. I can't um, I can't slight Maggie Worley. I mean, Maggie also has been a team leader this year. Both of these gals are seniors, um, Maggie works very very hard at her game. Uh, she encourages a lot of the other girls to you know come on out and play. Um, she's really mentored Addison Adams, who is sitting at our number three, and I think Addison has really grown um, grown well under Maggie's uh, wing. And um, also credit to Emily Bishop and Gracie Webster.
1: And you you talked about you know the different courses, different matches throughout the year that help lead into essentially being comfortable and ready, at least for your perspective, maybe not for the girls, for um, getting ready for the district. So what are some of those courses or competitions you were part of, and how did those kind of shape what was then displayed at the district uh, district matches? Okay.
9: Um, well, we have been part of the NWAGO, nu- which is Northwest Ohio Girls Golf League, for 15 years, as long as I have coached. Um last year there was a lot of league switching where a lot of teams had to uh sw- change leagues and they had to they were required to play away and home and so there was less freedom in their schedules to pull together a Nawagal um, league. So we're kind of an independent uh in that we don't have any other league so that was kind of a bummer to lose our our uh league it basically dissolved um and folded. But in trade, we were invited to a lot of really, really prestigious and challenging invitationals this year, partially because we've played at state and we've played with these teams and they host their own individuals and invitationals, I'm sorry. And they like to get teams there that will be competitive. So we were invited to Garraway's tournament, which was in Amish country early in the season. Um, We played with them at state last year and I think they might have, been the state champions, if not runners-off, I don't know. Um, we also played with, um, Alter and they invited us to a really, really fabulous, um, uh, tournament as well that was on 9/11. We played with Bishop Bishop Fenwick, which was down in the Dayton area. So we've really traveled around the state and played in a lot of different areas. I probably know ten out of these twelve teams coming to state because we've played against them or pl- played with them. We play against the course, but we played with them in some of these invitationals. So I think that really helps, um, you know, strengthen our competitive edge. We know who we're going to be playing with. Um, we've met the girls, you know, it's, it's just takes a lot of anxiety out of this, the mix when you
1: know what you're, who you're facing. And we've talked about this before, but just how different for you, or is it not different at all? The fact that it's an individual game, but you're still coming together as a team. I mean, it's not the same as other sports. Cause it's still, like you said, you against the course essentially, but how do you kind of approach that, uh, that part of the coaching?
9: Yeah, I just really, really try to encourage them to think of it as a team, and they are not alone out there. You know, they might be one part of it. I I have an analogy I'm going to give them. I'm going to give them all some really warm gloves because we might need it this weekend. And I'm going to tell them that they are all like a finger on the glove. You know, the the hand doesn't work well without all the fingers. The team's not going to work well without all the players. And, you know, not to feel they have to do this all on their own. They've got their golf sisters out there backing them up.
1: And we're talking with Van Buren Head Girls Golf Coach Ronz and I here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Another thing that has uh, came out the last few years is the app that allows you to see all the scores in real time as everything's progressing. Obviously, I would think there are pros and cons to that. How do you approach using the app and, you know, the good and the bad of it?
9: Yeah, that's a hot topic, Lance. (laughs) Uh, Well, I don't, I see the pros and cons. Yeah, I think it's a lot for the girls to manage. You know, here all these years we've told them, you know, don't count your scores. Just go hole by hole. You know, you can't use your phones, you know, and all this. And then all of a sudden now, now they keep a card. Now they get their phones out and have to enter their score on an app. Now they can see their score added up as they go. (laughs) And sometimes they can even flip to the leaderboard and see how everybody is doing and how we're standing. And that part I don't like as a coach. Um, And I think other coaches share that uh, feeling with me. Um, It is, however, helpful for folks at home. I understand that and get that. It's helpful for me as a coach to see if a girl is struggling on a hole and I need to try to get to her. Um, So those are very valuable. I just wish the app... Had a few more blockouts, like maybe didn't add the score for the girl, didn't let them see the leaderboards, um, things like that. We went at Bishop Fenwick; they do um, they do it where they have a volunteer that sits every three holes, and then they enter the score for the girls, and that is just a much more efficient way of running it. And um, I know the coaches have had some discussion with uh, the state and so forth, and you know, hopefully, we can move to that kind of a format in the future because I just think it would be more beneficial to the players.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, you want to cater to everyone as much as you can, but at the same time, probably allows you to get in your head a little bit if you can literally look and be like, oh, I need this many strokes to catch the leader. I need this many strokes for us to qualify. I'm sure it just adds a lot of variables that you don't necessarily want anyone to be thinking when they're on the course already.
9: Yeah, I know. And, you know, last year it was kind of ironic because the teams that finished top, uh, something happened to their phones and they glitched out and they weren't able to put their score in (laughs) until the very end. And guess what? They came in on top. So I don't know. That's kind of a... uh, Statistics that's unwritten, but maybe there's some
1: value to that. So there might be some accidental phones that oh, <laughs> it fell in the pond. I don't know what to do. <laughs> there might right. be some of that. You're you're, you're right. just you're suggesting, but not suggesting. That's right, right.
9: Yes, OSHA is going to encourage us to keep uh, score on that, so we'll do what we can.
1: And then last one I have for you: When will your team uh, be teeing off? Is it the same exact course as last year? What is uh? What are all those good details?
9: Yep, we're playing the gray course again. Um. We tee off at 9 o'clock on number one, Uh, our number five, Gracie Webster, is going to be the first one of the entire tournament teeing off. Um, She hasn't played before. This is her first year that she'll be playing, so she's going to start us all off. But they go reverse order, so they'll play their fifth players out, fourth, third, second, one. And then we
1: have another flight behind us after that, so yep. This has been Van Buren Head Girls Golf Coach Ron and I. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to come talk with us. Good luck this weekend in the state tournament.
9: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
1: With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Arcadia Head Football Coach Sean Adams here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios.
6: Hi, this is Don from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Don. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today.
5: For over 100 years, ironworkers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are ironworker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Ironworkers Local 55 Training Center at 419 382 3080. And build a better future.
1: Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Lance Morris. Matt i here with you until 730. The Arcadia football team got one of the biggest blowouts across the state last week with their win over Van Lu to help celebrate homecoming. This Friday, they're back at home to take on Liberty Benton. We're now pleased to be joined by Arcadia head football coach Sean Adams here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, how you doing?
10: Well, I'm great. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on here. It's great to, to uh, talk about our kids and, and the great to be back in Northwest Ohio.
1: Yeah. So for you, obviously you were the defensive coordinator for Mansfield senior last season. Did you know you were going to be then looking for a head coaching job or kind of what was, what was the process like for you uh, going from Mansfield senior uh, here to Arcadia?
10: Well, you know, I, I grew up in, in Genera and went to Corey Rawson, and, and uh, I was at Arcadia Clearback in 1989, 90, and 91 with with Mark Emmons, and then I, <clears throat> excuse me, I did a couple of years with Shane Jacoby, and, you know, I've kind of always had an affinity for for Arcadia, you know, we lost Jason Brayman uh night coming home from, from Millstream, the night we were ready to play Macomb, and um, you know, that was a, a, a sad time for us. And, you know, I always kind of felt like it was time to uh, to come back and, and take care of some unfinished business. And, you know, I just I couldn't be happier with the decision. I know Coach Bradley and, and Mansfield seniors are having a great year and we're not there yet, but we're going to get there and it's fun to be part of the process. So for you, you mentioned
1: uh, you've mentioned that term uh, unfinished business over the last few uh, months. You know, kind of leading into the season. Can you? I know you just kind of mentioned what you meant by it, but can you elaborate kind of what that means for your staff and your team as a whole?
10: Well, you know, it's it's uh, you know, it's part of our culture. We go down and we visit uh, Jason's uh, grave, and you know, Arcadia has never ever won. A Blanchard Valley Conference championship in football. Uh, they've never won a, a playoff game, in in, in football. And um, you know, I, I I believe that the people of Arcadia deserve that. And um, you know, the night that, that Jason died, you know, it was. I think it was it was bound to happen that night, and just some a uh, bad tragic night, and and it didn't. And um, you know, it's always just stuck with me that you know that's something that. I want the Arcadia people and the kids and and community to try and celebrate. You know, as I was at Mansfield Senior for 11 years, and we enjoyed many championships, and we able to play in the state championship game. And you know, I just felt like it was time to to come home and and uh, build a house on my family farm in Genera, and coach football, and and be back at Arcadia where we can try and build on some things that Coach Golden has done with. With the school as superintendent, and we just want to try and and attain some of those goals of you know a league championship or even a uh, the first win in playoff uh, uh, school history. Talking with Arcadia head
1: football coach Sean Adams here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. So what was the what was kind of the process like for you uh, to becoming the he- our head coach at Arcadia and then kind of getting things rolling to uh, for your first year on, at the at the helm.
10: <laughs> well it's it's been an adventure uh that you know they were able to to get me a a, a job at the school I'm I'm a, a student parent mentor uh school mentor and and that's that's been fun I'm still driving an hour and a half from my farm in Belleville which is just south of Mansfield I'm trying to get some of that stuff closed up but you know I I, I talked to Mr. Golden when it became open and you know, I just felt like it was the right time to, to come up here and, and and just take care of business. And uh, like I said, it's a chance to go home and, and, and build a house at my family farm, a chance to be with the great kids of Arcadia, the great people of Arcadia, and, and, and just to be back in Northwest Ohio and go to my home church. And, you know, all that stuff has just kind of played a role in this, and I couldn't be happier.
1: And for you, the interesting uh, non conference for you guys, uh, Corey Rawson, Lakota, and also that game against uh, Grandview Heights. Um, what can you tell us kind of about those games uh, this season and maybe some of the matchups you might have uh, moving forward?
10: Well, the Corey Rawson game, of course, you know, had a little special meaning to me. It's where I graduated from and clear back in 1987. And, you know, I've had great memories there of playing for Coach Spike Berry and and some, all the lessons that were taught to me and some of those things that I wanted to pass on to the kids of, that I coach. And, and, um, you know, so Lakota was, was a, was a very tough task for us. We went over there and I think we thought we were better than what we were and they put it to us and, you know, kudos to them. They were a big, strong, physical bunch. And then, you know, we played a Grandview Heights team out of Columbus, which, you know, I, I look back on and once again, the bugaboo for us all year has been a lack of discipline. You know, we, we jump off sides or, or we don't do our assignment. And, and uh, that's something that we're trying to build on is that discipline piece. And I, I look at that and a football game is usually one on four or five plays and we lost it on four or five plays because we weren't disciplined and we wish we'd have had that one back. And, course Dan Bjorn back and and um, you know but it, it's a learning process and uh, we've learned from it our kids know what what's expected of them moving forward even in the off season.
1: and last week a win basically as big as you can have uh, for Arcadia with the big win against Van Loo what were some of the uh, big team big things you saw from your team in uh, getting that win last week
10: well we just we just were ready to play from the get-go you know the last Last few weeks, we've we've kind of started slow. You know, Arlington, we 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 throw a we we give up a, a long run, and before you know we're down fifteen to nothing. And uh, you know we're just not built to to come back from deficits like that. And being able to start fast last week against Van Loo was was certainly a big plus for us. And um, you know the kids were ready to play. We talked all week long about doing our our part, uh, the school was just just amazing last week with all the the school spirit. Uh, Mrs. Connors did a great job of, of leading that with the student council and all the activities they had. and we just felt like it was it was our part to take care of our business and, and get a win on homecoming homecoming weekend.
1: This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studio, talking with Arcadia Head Football Coach Sean Adams. And you you mentioned you know having a lot of young guys you know across uh, for you across the field on all different spots on the team. What is that? Uh, what has that kind of learning curve been like to try and get some of these young guys uh, up to speed for these Friday nights?
10: Well, there's you know we're up about 11 or 12 guys on the roster as a whole. I think we have about 28. 28 players on the on the roster and and i think 23 of them are freshmen and sophomores and um you know it's it's been a real challenge as far as um you know we're not as big we're not as fast we're not as strong and all those things but it's kind of been um fun to kind of mold this bunch because uh, they don't know any different and um you know we we talk about things that um happen in the off season you know, you win football games in, in January, February, March, April, May, June. All those times you go to seven on sevens and you compete, and and you go to lift, you go to weightlifting meets, and, and and things like that that they've never experienced. And if we're going to be a program, those are the things that we're gonna we're gonna have to do. And you know, they're hungry. Um, they want to do that. They they bought in. Hook, line, and sinker, and they, they just are eager to win and to, and to change the football program at uh, Arcadia High School. So you know, like I said, I uh, for Sean Adams, it's it's been just fantastic. I couldn't be happier, um, and I'm just happy to be part of this and happy to to see these young kids grow. You know, to watch them uh, play and to play hard and to fight and and uh, all that stuff matters to me, and not only on the football field but in life.
1: And looking ahead to this Friday night, you guys have a tough task taking on Liberty Benton. What are some of the big things uh, for you looking forward uh, to Friday night from them?
10: Well, it's, it's, uh, you know, they've got uh, weapons all over the place. You take away one, you got another one and you take away the run. You got the pass. They got great receivers in the Elkert and great running back and, and the other uh, Elkert boy. And by the way, which Two of them are, their dad played for me at Arcadia okay. uh, way back when. And so, um, you know, those two, it'll be fun to see him. Uh, and, and, and it's fun to see his boys, uh, how, how well they play and, and uh, how what such great young men they are. But uh, Liberty Benton is, you know, something that we want to um, emulate. And uh, they're a good program. Coach Harlock does a great job offensively, defensively, special teams, uh, you know, I, I don't really think that uh, um, we're going to worry about Liberty Benton as much as we are worrying about us and doing our job and doing it to the best of our ability and getting lined up and, and at least competing and fighting for four quarters.
1: And what kind of uh, atmosphere are you uh, anticipating with that being your, uh, your final home game for the season?
10: Well, you know, all year long we've had a great, great fan base. Uh, they've they've been out there supporting us. Um, you know, I, I I think I've alluded to this already. These people are hungry. Um, Arcadia is hungry uh, for for a football program and for a competitive football program for one that. That wins championships and one that goes to the playoffs, and you know that's certainly something that we're gonna we're gonna try and ascertain here. But you know the 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 fans have been good, the parents have been good, um, the student body I just can't say enough about them. We got a great marching band, and it's just been a fun part to to see the culture shift here this year.
1: And then last one I have for you, what would be the message to the fans, the community, uh, anyone out there who either has or hasn't been to an Arcadia football game? What would be kind of the message for you, uh, for them, for this e- for this week and for kind of the rest of the year as well?
10: Well, I, I think that they they would be proud of the way that these kids come out and they compete. You know, we, we've never had an off season together. Uh, we don't redirect real well as far as the ball's. You know, on ball carriers, we don't play the ball real well as far as, far as the ball in the air. Uh, we don't block particularly well. Um, we don't really run the ball particularly well. But you know, we got a we got a lot of heart, and we're and we're tough kids, and and we want to do well, and and we're getting better each week. And you know, when you got kids that want to fight and and compete and and do all those things, how can you not want to go out and watch them perform? So. We we ask everybody to come out and just support our kids and, and watch them go at it for four quarters.
1: This has been Arcadia Head Football Coach Sean Adams. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Liberty Benton.
10: Hey, thanks for all you do for for not only us, but for high school sports in general. I appreciate it.
1: With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, Bart Wilson will catch up with Foss Story head football coach Derek Kidwell You're on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios.
2: At Blanchard Valley Health System, we're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals. We require compassion, dedication, and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment. Jobs are available in clinical and support services. We offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System, we're here for you.
11: Getting
3: the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense.
1: Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency and New Regal if Auto Owners makes sense for you.
12: And welcome back to the NWO Orthopedics Huddle from the Freakers Studio on Classic Hits 96.7 and ESPN 1430 AM in 105.7 FM. I'm Bart Wilson, and I'm talking with Fostoria head coach, Derek Kidwell. Coach, let's start things off by talking about last week's win against Lake. What were your overall thoughts on your team's performance?
11: Um, I thought we were resilient. Um, You know, we had some adversity thrown our way. We had some injuries early in the week, so we had to adjust some personnel on the back half of our defense. I thought overall they played fairly well for the short turnaround we had to, to work with them. Um, you know, I thought we made the game closer than we should have or could have, um, but ultimately, the end result what you're looking for is a victory, and we were away. we were able to come away with that, so I was pleased for our kids to get a victory on homecoming weekend um offensively, I thought Gavin Miller ran the ball extremely well for us, as did Lance Miller um both of them had over hundred plus yards and uh some touchdowns. Uh, Matt Balderrama came in uh, when Lance went out with a little ankle injury, and uh, punched punched another touchdown in for us. So we were able to run the ball successfully. We haven't been able to do that in a while, so you know credit to to our offensive line for for uh, sustaining some blocks and to our quarterback and running backs for making it a productive running game because we definitely needed it with the uh, change of weather that happened at halftime with the wind that came back in the second half. Uh, it was real tough to throw into the wind um so i was i was pleased to know that we were having success running the ball so we can lean on that um and then you know we kind of gave it was close um in the fourth quarter we were a little too um soft defensively giving up some 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 curl routes in our zones concepts rather than being a little more aggressive i think they were scared of getting beat deep rather than giving chunk plays up um so Lucky like for us, they missed a field goal with 50 seconds left. Uh, we get the ball back, try to close the game out. Misfortunate, uh, unfortunately, we had a fumble. Um, but fortunately for us, we intercepted the next play when they had it on offense. Uh, Julius Robinson sealed the game for us with an interception. So overall, it was a good, it was a good Friday night for our kids. Uh, it was home, like I said, it was homecoming week. So it was nice to see them smiling, and I knew they could enjoy their homecoming weekend.
12: Yeah, I mean, it's a great win for the team. What was kind of the energy this week uh, so far uh, going into practice uh, for this matchup coming up on Friday?
11: Yeah, you know, energy is good. Uh, a lot of positive vibes around the locker room and the practice field. Uh, we're excited about this week as a it's an unfamiliar opponent. You know, we've never played Maumee. We've never been to Maumee's stadium before, so a lot of unknowns. Um, You don't get that a lot in football until you get to the playoffs. And unfortunately, we haven't been um, a participant in the playoffs for a long time. So we don't get that that pure excitement of uh, unfamiliar opponents. But we have one this week. Uh, We got to go to Maumee. I you know, they're four and four. They're they're having a good season. They had a couple rough seasons there for a while where they weren't having much success on the football field. They got a new coaching staff. Um, You can see the energy and excitement when you watch them play on film. They play with a lot of passion and heart. Um, you know, they got a good season going right now. They just beat Rossford in a shootout uh, this past Friday, fifty to forty two in overtime. So, you know, we're gonna go there and they're gonna be feeling good about themselves. They got a chance to make the playoffs if if they win out or even if they go five and five. So <clears throat> they got a lot to play for. Um, you know, we're trying to win out for our seniors. We're trying to get in the in the season on the three way three game win streak. So we need a good clean week of practice and preparation and hop on a bus Friday and go over to Maumee and see what happens.
12: And you talked about how you've never been to Maumee before the guys haven't been to Maumee. How do you prep your guys uh, for just a new environment, especially having this uh, new team in the league? It must be a little bit different now, especially with Maumee coming from the NLL and moving to the
11: NBC. Yeah, I think our kids are excited, you know, face new, new kids. You know, when you've, when you grow up in Fallstoria and you've been in this conference since in junior high you get to be very familiar with kids from certain schools and you know, a lot of our kids have friendships due to social media with a lot of these kids from Eastwood or Genoa or Asciego um and you know we've played we've played Oak Harbor for the last 7 years in the preseason so we're familiar with Oak Harbor also so to be totally unfamiliar and not know um, any kids or the, or the environment. Um, I think it's kind of neat and exciting for our kids going into this week. Um, I just talked to our kids yesterday. We were watching film. I asked them if any of them have ever been to Maumee Stadium, and they said no. I said I haven't either, so this would be a new challenge for us. So, uh, you know, we're excited about that opportunity. You don't get many of them, um, but fortunately for us, we do have one. Uh, we got a dangerous opponent ahead of us who has a lot of confidence going on right now, so we're going to have to have a good week of practice and go over there and play a solid football game.
12: And what advantages does your team have going into this game that Mommy might not be ready for?
11: Um, You know, I like our running game. I I like Lance Miller. I like how how Gavin uh, controls our offense. I like how our offensive line is slowly getting better. And then um, defensively, um, I know they had the leading rusher in the league um, going into last week, and he broke his foot the 10th play against Rossford. So um, we will not be sitting the leading rusher, and he was a two-way starter for them, number 10. Um, so their offense will probably look a little bit, if not a lot different, uh, when we go over there because a, a kid like that will be hard to replace. So unfortunately, a, an injury will affect this game. Um, but, you know, we still got to go over there. And we still got to stop the run. They're, they're a heavy run team. They're spread formation by formation, but they want to run the ball um, more than they want to throw the ball. We got a sophomore starting at quarterback. Um, he makes makes good decisions and, and has a very good arm for a sophomore. Um, can throw the ball downfield and controls their offense very well. So we want to make him uncomfortable in the pocket. We want to get after him. We want. We really want to get them in in long yardage situations. So we want to win the early downs. We want to get some negative plays on first and second down and put them in obvious pass situations and and uh, peel our ears back and really get after the quarterback. And then for us offensively. They're a four-front. <clears throat> They're a four-three. If you give them multiple receivers, it kind of looks like a four-two-five, but their principles are a four-three defense. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to have to uh, we're going to be physical up front in order to, to stay in a running game. We'll have to be creative with some of our motions and some of our formations and and use our screen game a little bit to get them running from sideline to sideline. Um, but I would expect for Lance Miller and Matthew Botterromba to have a big night for us in the run game.
12: Now, I don't know if I'm looking too far ahead, but from what we've looked at in the standings-wise for regions, you guys have the possibility of making playoffs by the end of the season if you win this week and next week. Have you guys talked about that at all, or are you just keeping it focused on this coming Friday?
11: Yeah, we're we're not looking down the road. We're looking one game at a time. Uh, We kind of lost that luxury or that that right, in my opinion, to to talk about extending our season with some of the games we let slip away I'm on our schedule, so we're just taking it one game at a time. We want to go up and and, and beat me and we want to take these seniors on on a three-game winning streak as far as we're concerned.
12: Alright, Coach. Well, good l- luck this coming Friday. Uh, we'll be definitely looking forward to you guys taking on Ma and me uh, for the first time in the NBC. So Thank you so much, Coach, for joining me. No problem. Once again, I'm Bart Wilson, and after a quick break, Lance and Matt will talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stephan Adams, here on the NWL Orthopedic Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studio on Classic Hits 96.7 and ESPN 1430 AM and 105.7 FM.
6: Due to substantial growth at Morgan Advanced Materials, we're hiring and want you to join our team. If you're looking for a competitive starting wage, Morgan Advanced Materials has production operator positions starting at $19.76 an hour, with a potential of up to $23.91 an hour. Join our team at Morgan Advanced Materials located in Faustoria. Call us at 419-360-9751 or head to morganadvancedmaterials.com to launch a career that strives to make this world a better place.
1: Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have a starting pay of $18.04 an hour with a raise to $18.31 after 90 days with a shift differential of $0.25 an hour for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork, located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria, Seneca Millwork, part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios here on ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFOB Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. The Finley Trojans got back in the win column, a 42-35 win on the road over Perrysburg this Friday. Another tough matchup in the NLL when they take on Whitmer. But now please be joined by Finley High School's head football coach, Stephan Adams here in the Frickers zoom room and coach hard fought win for you guys on the road last week against Perrysburg. What were some of the big takeaways for you from last week?
13: Uh, the resiliency of our kids, um, you know, uh, the, the, uh, you know, we start with the ability to bounce back from a very tough loss. And uh, that was right in front of us for the taking of uh, the prior week to Anthony Wayne, to come from that, to come back and go back to work and to go out and perform the way we did Uh to be as resilient as we were I thought that was the most most impressive part
5: and coach not to uh I I know you're more of the on to the next one kind of coach but uh, the loss last year the loss of the postseason a loss in 21-22 against Perry Perrysburg getting that W getting it in a good thrilling back and forth game like that just for, from a team perspective, how good was that one in particular just to finally be able to get Perrysburg in the win column for you yeah, guys? I think that's
13: it. I think when you when you when you look at the makeup of your program and you look at, you know, your league uh, and then obviously and beyond, if you're lucky enough to make it that far. But I think you always you, you're always aware, you know, and we are. We're like you said, we're a one game at a time kind of staff and, and group of kids. But you 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 know it's very hard to get off your mind and get get that that bad taste out of your mouth from the previous couple of years, right? Um two games where they've smacked up us in the mouth and then one where we, we come up three points short. Um you know, it's hard to erase that feeling. So you know, obviously coming into this game, they they it's one of those games where they just have had our number, you know. So wanting to really make it a point to go out and say, hey. You know, where, where's the growth within our program? Where's the growth within our kids to get that one? You know, we've always felt talented, talent-wise, we've been there. It's just been that mental hurdle. So I think this was a big mental hurdle for our group of guys.
1: Talking of Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams and the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers studios. Ryan Montgomery and the offense as a whole started a little slow with that interception, but him along with the running game was able to get going in a big way. What can you say about what you saw from the offense?
13: uh was that same word resiliency you know adaptability uh they did a great job of uh really kind of plugging away you know I think I really got to start with the offensive staff the coaching staff they did a great job they thought the communication on the phones were were very very next level and their ability to make sure they figured it out and got it right for the kids was was pretty pretty darn special so you know I think just uh staying with it stay in the course you know not flinching um you know going out and just playing our game and figuring it out I think uh what was huge for our guys. And then once we figured it out, once again, I think the biggest thing is not just so much. Can you get us out of rhythm, but can you, can you continue to, uh, if you're on defense, create a little bit of doubt. Right. And then, cause if we figure it out, we're pretty dangerous. And I think when we figured it out, staff and kids, uh, we, you obviously saw, we start rolling at that point in time.
5: Yeah. And coach with that ground game, especially, I I'd, I'd say this was a very good week of complimentary football for you guys on the offensive side, the the running game helping the passing game, vice versa, once you guys did get going. What was it something in particular that Perrysburg showed you guys? Were you able to make that adjustment, or was it just, you know, get just continuing to grind and get everything put together and then it all coming together during that game?
13: Well, just that once we were able to get comfortable with our pass game, uh, and start to really kind of, you know, be a threat out that way you obviously got to pay some attention to those guys out there. And, you know, the, I think of the, the the help that the help and the help that Javante was getting or from a defensive standpoint, the corners and the safeties, the the guys they were putting over top of him to take him away. You know, I think we showed that other guys start catching the ball and start creating some seams as well, too. So you got to you know who pick your poison and who you want to make sure you cover, which then creates obviously a lighter box inside for us, which uh, our guys took advantage of. And Um, You know, Matt Guthrie did a great job of getting vertical right away with kind of their scheme and how they play it. We didn't waste much time. We were one foot in the ground and got north and uh, we knew that's how we were going to have to, uh, you know, approach it playing against a team like that.
1: Talking Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams, on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WF will be on the flip side of the ball. Perrysburg was able to kind of get going offensively, 14-0 on the defense, but then, of course, able again to rally back after that. What can you say about what you saw from you guys on the defensive side?
13: Phenomenal job. I think just it's very easy to look at the score uh, and and say, hey, well, they gave up some points. Um, you know, I think they're, as, far, as far as the ebb and flow of the game goes, uh we, we we didn't do a good job in and in, in, in special teams in a kickoff area specifically uh of helping them out with that when they've had when they had to drive it the whole field uh they weren't successful when they were able to get some momentum on a kick return and get to midfield or pass midfield they were able to gain some momentum there as well too and then be able to go score I mean you know the playbook's a lot different on a minus 20 a uh, 30 than it is on the plus 40 right so um but still, even with that being said, they got their early points. And then after that, we were able to really slow them down, take away some things they really like to do, uh, you know, take away their big threat receiver. You know, they only had to have two catches. Uh, I thought our guys did a great job. CJ did a great job on him. And they're, they're playing really, really well. I mean, I said, the score, will might tell you otherwise, but that group is playing at a very high level at this moment.
5: Yeah, i kind of. As is tradition, week in, week out, stole my thunder. I was going to go with those wide <laughs> receivers that you had to go against and say hats off to your secondary pulling off what I would say may have been one of their hardest tests of the year and at passing. I mean, you gained only two, two receptions a day. Can, can you get a little more in detail about what you saw out of the secondary? this past weekend that really stood out to you where, you know, someone like you just mentioned, looks at the score, looks at the box score on the paper or online, be like, Oh, it must've been a bad day defensively. When in actuality, you guys had a fantastic day defensively. Fantastic.
13: Yeah, no, there's no, there, exactly. We had a fantastic day. I mean, it's not even close. You know, I said, it's very different when you have to call a colleague, an offense coordinator, the aggressive, how aggressive they can be when they're on the, on the plus territory versus when they have to drive it the whole the entire field. I think one of the biggest things that we saw was if you our, our defensive backs have been pretty darn good all year long. I mean, uh we can go back to the very first game. They competed well against Central Catholics. Guys, Central Catholics started to really gain some momentum in the run game more than the pass game. Uh and then after that, I think if you look at the scores and look at the box scores and you look at kind of what we've done, uh the defense has been been shut down, but we have some really talented kids. Uh CJ is a senior for us. Um a really, really talented kid and can play the position very well, knowledgeable of the, the position. Uh, Israel Moore is a young guy who's just getting better and better and better and better. You know, Barrett Helms is one of those guys who's like a – you know, every every team's going to have him, right? Mike. Well, you know, he's a, he's maybe undersized. He may not be the prototypical size that you think of at a position, but he's been you know superior at the free safety spot. And then you add in a Luke Wire who's just been an absolute monster. Kind of have him down near the box a little bit, but he's competitive. I think the guys competitive. They're competitors. You know, they don't want to lose a rep. You know, if you throw the ball towards me, you know, depending on the scheme and the coverage, like, it's my job to make sure you don't catch it. Uh, and if you catch it, my job to tackle you. And they're just competitive. So I think of one play specifically when they threw the ball to their top receiver in the end zone. And I mean, the kid caught the ball, but we always teach about raking through the arm all the way through the whistle. Uh, and CJ was able to knock it out and there was no touchdown. I mean, just competitive plays, not just being okay with a uh, person getting his hands on it, but I want to make sure he drops it. He doesn't have the ball in his hands at all. So, um, yeah, no, I just think competitive nature was is, is huge, and we have a good group of risk, uh, cornerbacks uh, this year and safeties.
1: This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stephan Adams. And one thing I'm curious about is kind of just the overall viewpoint of your team at this point in the year. Obviously, through eight weeks now, just a couple more regular season games before you get into the postseason. This is probably right around the time where, you know, teams are tired, sore, injured all those different adjectives can you you can use to uh describe the guys what can you kind of just say about the overall you know just kind of state and well-being of your guys so far
13: yeah i just think that just uh man i think um excited they understand a sense of urgency they understand what we are in a year uh you understand we're getting closer and closer i think the seniors because they've loved this group and they love this year so much they don't want to see it go by but it's breezing by very fast um just uh unity um on the same page you know after the last game we played against whitmer there were some of those distractions that sometimes tend to come into play right like the offense didn't do its part or this group didn't do its part and you know and we quickly shut that down and the leaders quickly shut that down as well too and um just kind of remind everybody that hey like this is a team game and to listen to those guys after we beat you know perrysburg say you know the offense did a great job defense did a great job you know just We're in a good space, I think, and everybody's super excited to to go out and understand that we still have a lot to play for here right in front of us starting this week.
5: And coach, one of the things that I've just been beyond impressed with so far this season is your guys' record on the road four and zero so far on the road this year. Can can you talk about what you're seeing from your team that really makes it that you guys just you compete week in and week out when you're on the road, and how much you feel that's going to help once you start getting to those neutral sites? Uh, during postseason play where it's hey it's nobody's home field it's everybody's kind of an away game kind of situation H- how do you feel that's going to help you translate come postseason time
13: it, it's huge I mean it, it, it's you won, I think the steps in, in in the process of of getting your kids to play extremely hard to give them to compete at a very high level to defend home territory uh, to embrace you know going to away games and being able to Embrace any environment thrown at them, but still be able to go out and play and execute at a very high level. I think their kids just—they they accept the challenge, um, and I think that's just their mindset. You know, whether we're home, whether we're away, we want to go out there and dominate. We want to go out there and win. We want to go out there and compete at a very high level. Want to give high max effort, and I think just that—that that embrace of the 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 team team culture, the team standards—is it, it, it's getting embraced not just at home but also on away games as well too. And I think that just comes from a true deep place of not wanting to let anybody down, not wanting to let your seniors down, not wanting to let your brother down, the guy next to you down. And the guys just freaking battle. And they really, really want to make sure I word this the right way. They, they really want to see us be a team year in, year out. That's talked about like, you know, all these other teams like the Whitmers and, you know, the teams that have done a, a phenomenal job of creating a consistent program of success. So year in, year out. so. I think there's just a lot that they they take into heart, and and they battle for their coaches, they battle for each other, and they battle for our, our school community.
1: Looking ahead to Friday night, you guys, in fact, do take on that Whitmer team, six and two overall, have yet to drop a game in the league play. What are some of the big things you've uh, seen from them? Looking uh, looking ahead to Friday,
13: very very well balanced team, uh, very extremely athletic, uh, very very dangerous in in you know all facets of of the game. You know, so they have some guys who can return the ball very well, who've taken it to the house a couple times this year, and then close, taken it more than a couple times. You know, you watch them, um, you know, on offense, just uh, when they gain confidence and when they start really churning and feeling good about themselves and getting their hands on you and finishing you. I mean, it, it's pretty scary what they can do with a quarterback who's got a year of experience and seems uh, 100% healthy and is doing some different things, off. you know, with his feet and his arm. And then a defense who's just very unpredictable, you know. What are they going to be in coverage-wise? You know, where are they going to blitz from? I mean, you just you can try to pick up some tendencies, but at the same time, it's just it's it's their method of madness the way they do it. So, I see a team that's very dangerous, a very team that's very confident um, coming into it, coming off of a win uh, as well, and a couple of big wins. They're 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 just uh they're they're finding their groove for sure.
5: It certainly seems to be one of, if not the premier matchup in Northwest Ohio this weekend, and. I, I'd be remiss. I'm, I'm gonna have to come at it with a bit of a creative question because it is a Friday the thirteenth as well. <laughs> so, two parter. You know, I need my juice. I need my I need my energy from you, Coach. But before that, Friday the thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street? Which or Halloween? What? Which one out of those three? Because it's not every day we get a Friday the thirteenth for game day. So you, know, you have right. to choose one. Who's the winner?
13: I would have to say just based on my first time, it was Halloween. Okay. I oh, and that, that. And, that, and that's more because that was like literally the first one that was first and then i covered them all with my aunts and uncles at, at the time and i don't know if they're supposed to be showing it to me but um yeah I, I would say that that's where it all started so i have to go with that one for sure
5: uh, that, that that's fair and then <laughs> the first sorry to your aunts and uncles if we just threw them under the bus and maybe no, no 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 it's all good all,
13: all, all stories are told when you get when, you, when you're older and at a very, very different place in life to your parents, and they always <laughs> crack up and laugh at it, you know? So, yeah, no, all good.
5: And then, Coach, obviously, just what what's the message for the team going in this one? Big game once again, another big one for you guys. What's the message for the team and the fans?
13: Uh, just simple, man. We're, we're used to this, man. We're, we're, we're used to being, a, you know, whether we're everybody's big game or people want to hunt us, We you know, we want to go back and hunt too. Uh, and what a great opportunity for us to go out and be able to play against one, a great team, a great program, uh, but nonetheless still it's a lot to play for so you know if 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 you can't if you can't find the you can't find the motivation if you can't find the purpose if you can't find the passion uh, for a game like this then then it's not the place for you to be so uh it's pretty pretty simple for us kind of we have a little opportunity opportunities right in front of us and, and and what we grab onto and how we approach this and as i even said last week have passion in what we do, love what we do, belief in coaches, belief in each, health, belief in each other, and believe in yourself. And let's go out there and, uh, you know, if it's continuing to shock the world, let's continue to shock the world that we're we're a different, we're a different ball club.
1: This has been Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Whitmer.
13: Appreciate you guys.
1: With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We'll come back and wrap things up here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios.
3: It's Cash for Cars at Warner Economy Corner in Findlay. Not much has changed with the shortage of good quality used cars, but Warner Economy Corner is looking to buy. At the corner of Blanchard & Blanchard, Warner Economy Corner is paying cash for cars. Bring your vehicle down to the guys at Warner Economy Corner and go home with cash in hand. Warner Economy Corner is buying cars and making deals. Open daily Monday through Friday.
8: The Northwestern Water and Sewer District now has two watersheds in Fostoria to get pure water at a low price. Watersheds are located off of Plaza Drive on the north end of town and our newest location near 4th and Finley Streets. If you don't like the taste of well water, try watershed water. Just bring your own containers and fill up for a quarter a gallon. Try watershed water today. For all locations go to nwwsd.org
1: back we are here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB almost out of time even though we've gone well over our allotted time today big thanks to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield the comeback and awful announcing Hopewell Loudon girls golf coach Joe Klein Van Buren girls golf coach Ron Nye Arcadia head football coach Sean Adams Faustoria football coach Derek Kedwell, and Finley High School's head football coach Stefan Adams for all joining us today on the show if you missed any part of our show or just want to hear it again head over to wfb.com click on the podcast page you can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well we might not be at the frickers in finley physically but stop in for their daily specials tonight and get their sirloin steak dinner pick up from the carryout window dine in or get delivery through doordash download the frickers app to see more and to place an order find them online at frickers Dot com, and that'll just about do it for us here tonight. But again, before we go, don't miss our coverage of high school football coming your way this Friday night. It all gets started at 6 o'clock with the NWO Orthopedics Psych-Up Show from the Frickers studios. Bart Wilson, Trayvon Hastings will preview all the games for week 9 of high school football. On Classic Hits. we'll have a matchup of Calvert as they play host to Willard and have one more game to try and keep themselves perfect before they take on Hopewell Loudon next week. We'll have that one for you on Classic Hits 96.7. On WFOB, we'll have more coverage of the Foss Story Remnant. They'll hit the road. They'll take on NBC Newcomer in Maumee. We'll have that one on WFOB. Then stay tuned in following the games for the NWO Orthopedics Scoreboard Show from the Fricker Studios. Trayvon Hastings and Bart Wilson will have all the action for you to recap what we had go on last friday and this friday as well for my broadcast partner matt common this is lance Moore signing off for this edition of the nwo orthopedics sports auto from the fricker studios thanks for listening catch you in the next one